Welcome to One Day Contract, the Panthers talk show where each week we're joined by a new personality who we've signed to a one-day contract to join the show. One Day Contract is a proud part of the Riot Network. Follow us on Twitter at the Riot Network to stay up to date on all of your favorite pods. Subscribe, rate, and love us on iTunes. My name is Nikki Wolf. With me, as always, the big dog, Josh Klein, managing editor for the Riot Report, co-host of It Is What It Is, and is side-eyeing the COVID numbers and hoping that we can get 16 games in this Panther season. Fingers crossed. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's like one of those things where uh, there was a point, there were a couple of weeks there where it seemed like COVID was just gone. I drove by some South End bars and everything seemed back to normal. So I was like, I guess everything is going to be okay. And then, and then all of a sudden games got started getting pushed to Tuesday. Although I will say, positive outlook, I'm glass half full kind of guy. Monday night football starting at 5 p.m. and then another one at 8.30. Yes, I'm here for that. Let's just do that all the time. Maybe not have nine games at 1 p.m. Maybe have eight games at 1 p.m. Push the other one to I'm – just, I'm just thinking out loud, Goodell. If you're listening, Roger. If you're listening, Roger. Oh, I am here for that. I loved having two games last night. I, I don't also, understand why there's 8 million 1 p.m. games. I mean, I do get it if you're the NFL package or whatever it's called, Sunday ticket. But I would like to watch all the games. Tuesday games, too. I, you know what? The NFL doesn't care about players' health anyway, so let's do it. Tuesday games, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday, and then sometimes Saturday, which I'm not sure when they do it, but sometimes Saturday. Perfect. I will send an email after this, and that should be approved in a week. That's how things work, right? Yep. Let's also bring in Colin Hoggard, columnist and contributor for the Riot Report, and is currently cutting B-roll for Fox to use this upcoming Sunday of the stadium at Clemson and Don Capers and Zuba's pants. Yeah, that was that was one of those moments where I rewound it. Like, wait, did they? What is that? Is that the statue? How old is that B-roll? I was I was just. It was very odd that David Tepper decided to build another statue to honor a previous owner who had had his statue torn down. That was I, just this wasteful spending of David Tepper right now. Um, but no, you guys talking about COVID. The Panther fans take a lot of heat. Small market teams take a lot of heat and stuff like this. I just want to point this out. The, the Redskins are being allowed 10% capacity. Which team is that? Is that what team is oh, that? The, yeah, well, Ooh. that's why. That's why. You know, that's why they're not flying through. The Washington football team has been a mm. fancy edit. Will make me sound much smarter. Thank you for making it. I know you didn't. Uh, the them. Washington football team has been authorized by the state of Maryland 10%. They can they can put ten percent of the fans in there, and then they said, uh, "Yeah, no, no, thank you," because the Cowboys are coming to town, and they don't want that ten percent of the stadium to be Cowboys fans instead of Woofed fans. So, small market teams take take a lot of grief on that. Even division rivals, it happens. Woofed, I like that. I'm going to start saying that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's bring on our guest on the one-day contract this week, Kristen Balboni, Panthers team reporter, former Tar Heel, and like the rest of us, wondering if Mac was ever truly back or if it was just some crazy dream. Welcome, Kristen. Thank you guys for having me. I will say you'll never get me to say a bad word about Mac. I'm a Mac apologist. I love him. Uh, but I do want to thank you guys for making my signing bonus bigger than Miles Simmons and Jim Zoki's combined. I thought that was, you know, really great of you guys to do that. Um, I promise not to rub it in their faces too much. <laughs> Miles Simmons 
uh, renowned as poor negotiator. Like that, that <laughs> he should put it on his Twitter bio. Just really bad. Came in with a low number, and then uh, and then somehow went lower. I'm not sure how it worked. <laughs> well, we've Why learned that the, agent? Yeah. the secret to any great podcast is great cap management, and and we're just exhibiting that today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, we started making it worth all the money you guys put into that signing bonus. <laughs> Well, we start the show with Nikki's super important question. And if you saw the Fox 46 pregame show, they had a huge uh, conversation, debate, heated discussion, I don't know what you want to call it, about this topic. So I wanted to bring it to you guys. Ranch or blue cheese? Oh, I have thoughts. Um, Shocker. I I knew it. Uh, I knew it. So I will say ranch overall – is a better dressing slash condiment. But on the topic of wings, which is where most people tend to talk about this, I'm I'm a blue cheese guy. Um, I like it when sometimes you dunk and you get a little chunk of blue cheese on the top there, and then you can just cork it off. What a treat. What a treat. Were wings specified as part of this discussion, Nikki? So or is Josh have... just making this, you know, is he doing the political trick and making it about him? <laughs> it's always about the big dog. Um, they did have wings out, and it was a, a wing-centric statement. Mm. Because I, I'm of the belief that ranch needs to, you know, get universal acceptance. I think it deserves to be in the ketchup mustard category at this point. But for a wing condiment, it is wing specific, and I, for one, like to dabble in in, in a very in, in, in a variety of wing types, wing flavors. So I think there are right choices for blue cheese and ranch, but I think overall the biggest issue is ranch needs to be accepted. I'm gonna go ranch, but I, I have to say that it has to be like the good ranch. You know, ranch has a big mm. range of really, really bad, and then really, really. It's kind of like um, well, I don't know. I think pizza like you can get a really bad slice of pizza and you're like oh they're getting a great slice of pizza so i just can't go any ranch um but if it's good ranch that always wins you cannot be a self-respecting establishment and serve ranch out of a plastic tub anymore like you have to make it we all know we've been around ranch too long just like you said i want your personal too long (laughs) yeah i want i want to see your you know you you guys like to add a little dill in here i like to see that creativity you need to do it needs to be the hidden valley mix nothing else and then you know put your personal flair on it don't serve it you know the craft out of a tub thing no when you're looking for that dressing on the side salad and it's like you're looking and you're like oh house ranch okay house ding, ranch ding, ding. um mm, now i'm interested and i mean they're just pouring the powder into mayonnaise but I, whatever it's fine <laughs> but do I you worked? use buttermilk do you not i mean oh. these are the things these reflect the choices of the chef and and i think the ranch is a complex do not mock do not mock the intricacies the of ranch the chef. <laughs> i'm sorry i just picture the chef at like uh, there's one blue cheese just, there is one blue just, cheese, the same chunk in every blue cheese. There are a thousand ranches. I just milking a cow for the first ranch. He's got a cow in the back for the ranch. Just clipping the dill to make sure that it's the best ranch seasoning. I don't and when, know and when I go in there and pay $8 for a potato called a basket of fries, I'm going to appreciate that. They're crinkle cut. <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't know why, but I pictured you at like Pita Pit asking to compliment the chef on his ranch or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> My compliments to the chef. I use ranch and ice as two measuring sticks for restaurants. A lot of times, sometimes people be like, oh man, have you had the burger at Rusty's? And I'm like, have you had the ranch? They have great ranch. So those are some important factors in life. But for wings, I'm, I am team blue cheese, but I love ranch. There's really no wrong answer is the thing, you know? It's true. If you're you eating a, a wing, both. as long as there's a bone in there, there it's fine. While we're talking about uh, wings and ignoring the Panthers, a loss this week, um, has lemon pepper run its course, or is it gonna? Is it got some staying power in your guys' opinion? It's back like Mac. Ask, ask Rick Ross that question and see what happens. Did I did I miss that it went like it went out of fashion and then? Now no, it's... I just I just think that having wings that taste like you know um, urinal cake smell is you know it's a choice. <laughs> Good lord! I've never thought about that, but guarantee the next time I eat a lemon pepper, you can't shake it. Yeah, you can't shake it. You're like, "Mm, listen, the lemon scented. You're like, this. I'm eating a cleaning product right now. You're welcome. I ruined a wing for you. Sorry, I apologize. If if Rick Ross, if you're listening, I'm sorry. sorry. (laughs) Well, he's not around a lot of cleaning products. I don't think. (laughs) When you're the boss, you know, it's true. That is true. true. Well, now that we have ruined lemon pepper wings for everybody, let's talk about football. Uh, first, let's hit some news. Uh, let's go to COVID corner. So the Panthers put Schofield, Schofield on COVID reserve list a few days after Tyler Larson's. Are we facing the inevitable here? Are we going to see some more positive tests throughout the week? I, I think kind of it seems like we're going to head in that direction, right? Like that, I, I, I don't know. I mean, so I will say caveat to all this. Everything that I've heard, everything that I've seen, the Panthers have been like at the top of the league and, and have been absolutely spectacular about the way that they're going about with the protocols and the mask and the germ zapping robot and all the extra stuff that they're going kind of above and beyond to keep The it. germ zapping robot's name is Douglas. Sorry, I just wanted to throw that out there. They do have names. two of them. One of them is named Douglas, so. What's the other one's name? Unnamed? I can't remember. Douglas is my favorite. Rasool? But anyway, proceed, proceed. I just was, yeah, the other one is Rasul. Proceed. I just, uh, I'm very fond of Douglas. No, I, I don't blame you. He seems like a cool dude. Um, <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I mean, the, the way that they've gone about it seems very, uh, seems very good. The reality is that the virus was always going to get in there at some point. It's just about how, how they handle it once it does. Um, you know, you hope that there are no more cause positive tests. Um, but, uh, and we'll get to this at some point, but my big issue is with, uh, people on social media and reacting to it as if, you know, the only thing that matters is the team. Whereas like guys that come down with disease, like it's bad news in general. So I, I hope that there are no more positive tests because I don't want anybody else to get sick. Period. I think there's a couple different ways to look at this beyond just the, the individual test. And, you know, Chris, I'm glad you're, you're, you're with us because it becomes kind of a social media boilerplate thing to be like, oh, the NFL protocols. But it sounds to me, and Josh just referenced it, that the team here, the Carolina Panthers, are doing everything it seems like they can reasonably be expected to do. And so while it's kind of like the, the NFL has this cavalier attitude, it does not seem at all from, you know, locally that the, the Panthers do. Yeah, you know, I don't, I'm not around other teams, so it's hard for me to compare, you know, what the Panthers do with what some of the other teams are doing. But as someone who, 
by and large goes into the, the stadium every single day and works from there. You know, I get COVID tested every single day. Um, Josh, I know you do uh, as well, at least to a certain extent. You know, they have the media being tested and the protocols really are um, put in place and they're observed. It's, it's really important to everyone that we keep the players healthy, we keep the staff healthy. And um, so I, I think they do a, a good job of that, honestly. I just, I think like Josh said, unfortunately, it feels like we're not going to go the rest of the season with, without having positive tests. And, and as Josh said so well, that, you know, it is about so much bigger than, than who can play, who can be out on the field. It is, their health at the end of the day it's everyone's health um but i think the thing that the panthers do well um and the thing that the nfl has encouraged is all right like what are the measures that we've put in place so that if one person gets it it does not spread and um i think that that's all they can do and thus far it does seem like it's worked you know i know tyler larson was placed on the the COVID list last week and michael schofield is is this week so i you know i don't know where it came from or, or what happened but I think the fact that if you had said going into week seven, there were two positive tests and, and you know, hopefully they're both healthy and doing well. And um, it looks like we're going to play this week. I think everyone would be pretty happy if this were at the beginning of the season or, you know, and I think that that's by and large due to a lot of the protocols that are put in place. And I, and I really look at this as an individual team responsibility. I think we see now what the NFL is going to do. If you have, you know, an, I don't use the term outbreak, you know, incorrectly here but if you have a little flare-up and outbreak whatever early in the week they will try to maneuver the schedule but if it happens late in the week you just got to put guys on the list and and, and this machine's just gonna gonna roll forward and I think that if that's the the reality for all 32 teams then that, that you know I'm, I'm okay with that I think it really comes down to the teams have to do a good job with the actual COVID protocols and the NFL can just try and manage from from up on high. Yeah, to me, it's the the big issue and kind of my big question is always like whether or not um, I I don't want to I don't want to sound too I don't want to like use too many medical terms, but the incubation period is two weeks. And so when somebody has it and they're in the facility and they're in contact with these guys and the contact tracers, I wrote I, I talked to the guy, um, the CEO of Connexon, who created the, the contact tracers that every NFL team uses. And the way that they can like track these players down to a millisecond and to a millimeter of how close they are and whether they're facing each other to, to contact the viral, to the viral load. But, uh, you know, in my opinion, I don't want to, I don't want to speak out of, out of school here, but it seems like the NFL wants to, they want to make it, they want to make it seem like they're doing everything they can. But the reality is, is when somebody tests positive in that building on Thursday, they were probably in contact with a bunch of players and then they let all the players play on Sunday. And then once the, once somebody tests positive through another week, that's when it starts to get, have the chance of spiraling out of control because Tyler, uh, Tyler Larson tested positive, or I don't know whether he tested positive, was placed on the list on Thursday, missed practice. Uh, but he was there on Wednesday. Uh, Michael Schofield active on Sunday. He played, had five snaps. I don't think you can kind of, give the disease within 10 seconds of being on the field against another guy, but he was still out there on the sidelines. And so it's, it's just hard. It gets so hard and complicated and, and muddy. And that's where, that's where I'm fearful that the question of like, what do you think we're going to get 16 games is like, it feels like it can spiral out of control so easily to where like, if 
four guys on the Bears test positive and then three more guys test positive on the Panthers, then it's like, oh, no, like what's happening? And then it's and then you have two teams with Titans situations. And at some point they're going to – it seems like week 18 is inevitable. I do think we'll get to a week 18. Um, and, and I think, you know, we're certainly going to have cases going forward. But I think it's important to note, too, that the reason that everybody cares about 16 games is because of two things, TV contracts and gambling. Because if you, if you don't have enough teams playing, you know, enough games, how do you determine the winner? You know, the, for all those bets that went in preseason, win totals, things like that, those are, that's where it really gets affected. And that's why the NFL is going to try and grind out these 16 games. And I think they're doing the best that they, that, that they can. I think it's an imperfect situation. We are living through a pandemic, and you can either choose to live through it or not live through it. And I think the NFL is trying to do the best that they can. I think it's just too easy to, to just kind of – you know, bang the NFL. They are a business that needs to that needs to put their product out there, and that's what they're doing. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't disagree that it is it is easy to make that like. Well, the NFL doesn't care, but like, I mean, they have a long history of not caring about their players' health. So it's that's that's all I'm saying about that. That's fair. They've earned that. That's fair. With the Panthers working virtually the past two days, and obviously, you know, they couldn't practice in pads Wednesday last week. You could say Sunday they got out physicaled. Is that a word? Can I say that? Is there anything to that? Is that coincidence? I don't think it's great. I mean, I don't know. I think it might be reaching a little bit to say that they didn't have a pad of practice Wednesday. So that's why they got beat on the offensive line on, on Sunday rather than just Khalil Mack is really good at playing football and <laughs> the bears are a better defense than anyone that they faced. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think it helps, you know, like, all, like that's the thing is like all this stuff, you look at what happened with, the Patriots. And I know obviously um, we don't have cam corner anymore, but like when you look at what happened with the Patriots, like they really only practiced twice in, in two weeks. And it's like, that's going to affect you. Like it just is like there, it just, the reality is, is that it is going to affect you. And sometimes as a team, you can kind of fight your way through it and you can battle that adversity and win. And then sometimes it's just going to, it's going to, it's going to bite you. But um, I, I think ultimately being out physical by the bears was less about, what's happening, what kind of team the Bears are and what kind of team the Panthers are, and less about not practicing on Wednesday. That's just I, I would have thought they would have gotten beat worse if that was the case. You know, like if that was the excuse we were going with, it wouldn't have been 23-16. Does that make sense? Like if they'd have gotten yeah. just mauled in the run game, then maybe we're going to this excuse. This excuse, uh, that's what it feels like, an excuse. Mauled. Yeah, I, I agree with you guys. I think I think it doesn't help that they weren't able to practice the way they want to practice this coaching staff likes to see those guys you know go at it they like to get their twos and threes reps they like to have a a physical practice and I, I think there's you know they look at things like what's the ideal number of reps for a veteran like during the week things like that so they they really have you know a certain system a certain way that they want to do things and I'm sure they have analytics that say okay if you do if you do x on Wednesday then Thursday looks like this and then this leads to um, peak physical performance on Sunday, you know, whatever their system is for that. So I definitely don't think it helps. I don't think it's ideal. Um, but I, you know, I think there's a, a lot of other teams and, and they know it, this, this team knows it and they really don't, I'm not just saying this cause you know, I, I work for the team. They, they don't make excuses for stuff like that. And they don't encourage those excuses because they're also, you know, teams that are getting, uh, their game postponed at the last minute. There's a lot of stuff like that. And I think that they know, that this stuff is going to happen this season. Um, it doesn't make it any easier, but, but I agree with Josh in the sense um, 
and, and Colin, you guys both said it, that I think they came up against a very, very strong Bears defense. And I, I think that was more of the reason um, uh, for that on Sunday versus, versus the practice. But again, it, yeah, it's not ideal going into the game that you don't get to practice the way you want to practice. Kristen, I, I want to ask you, because you get your, you know, as, as a reporter for the team, you, you're in those practices a little bit more than we are. Um, uh, what, what's the tenor of a Matt? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm not asking you, like, how many times do they line up Curtis Samuel in the backfield? Uh, is, like, what's the tenor of a Matt Rule practice versus what we saw during training camp? Because I think a lot of people were like, oh, it runs like a college practice and it's faster. And uh, just curious if you've seen any changes from training camp practices into regular, regular season practices. I think the tenor is similar. Um, I, I really do. It's, uh, you know, I, I don't think it's as fast because there's certain things that they want to work on, um, you know, less about trying to see which guys are going to step up uh, when they go against each other and, and more about, okay, we're going to work on our, our drills or our individuals. Um, there's still the music. There's still um, the, you know, I heard rule the other day say like, you know, run to, run to your next thing. Like what's, let's not walk. They, they still encourage that all the time. You still see the coaches getting involved in the drills, which I absolutely love. Um, so there's a lot of the same things, Josh, that we saw in training camp um, that manifests itself in, in practice. What's the best, what's your favorite song that they play, that they seem to play a lot, like on the playlist? They have kind of that, do you remember during training camp, it's kind of like that throwback. It feels like a lot of the songs are kind of that, like that, almost like that 90s vibe, although they do play, you know, more current songs. But I tell you what, I think once a practice, well, I have two. Number one, uh, Nucky Few Buck is always a crowd pleaser. Like every sure. single person on the field will get excited. They play it, they play it at the games too. I mean, I'm sure every team play in every stadium plays it. It's, it's hard not to, like, it's just so fun. Um, they also play This Is How We Do It a lot. Mm -hmm. And I know there's a questionnaire out there and Derek Brown has listed that as his favorite song. And so <laughs> one, I, it was a couple of weeks ago, I heard them play it. And I just, my, my, I, my eyes, excuse me, if I could speak, immediately went to go look for 95. And he had his hands up, like doing one of these. Um, and of course, this is a podcast, so no one can see what I'm talking about. But well, it's well, that, you it'll, know, the it'll... side to side wave, you know, the wave your hands in the air part. And I just, I, I love those. You can tell, those are the songs that the guys get fired up about. And it's just, I mean, it's hard not to, everyone's going to you know, sing along under their breath, so. Yeah, Teddy Bridgewater is particularly excited about the Kirk Franklin song. Uh, oh, that I'm completely blanking on the, with the whoop, whoop, that one. Yeah. <laughs> somebody, somebody else knows that song, right? Uh, and, and he was really excited about it last week at practice. Um, so it's always fun. I, I agree with you. I love seeing how, how the different guys react to different songs. Uh, especially, I think it was la last year, I don't know, sometime during the Cam Newton, Greg Olson era where uh, Cam let Greg Olson pick all the songs and he, and they were all, it was like Kings of Leon and like Pearl Jam and like to see the reaction from going from like Knock If You Buck and like, and, and Meek Mill and like all of a sudden it's like the next day is now it's like, uh, don't call me daughter. And it's like <laughs> during That's stretching. Different. That's the equivalent, right, of um, when everyone's out, like, in the before times when you could go out to karaoke and everyone's just, you know, high energy. You've got, you know, all sorts of fun songs people are doing, and then someone comes in with just, like, a real downer, you know. Trying to show off their voice in a Josh yeah, Groban song, yeah, yeah, and you're yeah. like, what are you doing, man? This read is the, not the... Yeah, read the room here. 
Not the place. Although I will say I did see somebody do, uh, I mean, this is, this is very high energy. They did under the sea, but from the little mermaid was the best karaoke performance I've ever seen of my life. Cause you just don't expect it. And you knew all the words and it was incredible. And it brought the, I mean, when I say brought the house down, like he could have walked out of there with all the ladies. Was every it you, single Josh? One. <laughs> Are you just like, yeah. trying not to say as, it was you? His name was Josh. He's very handsome. I don't know. It's weird. <laughs> But but did he walk out with all the ladies? I didn't know. I, I didn't see. I was I was too busy trying desperately to let me sing uh, "Poor Unfortunate Souls." <laughs> I I was gonna ask if he did it as Sebastian, but I think Sebastian's the fish and not the no. Not Sebastian's the crab. The crab. Yeah, okay, no, he did Sebastian. it as I mean, he did it with oh, wow. the okay. accents and everything okay. to That's the point where it was like, does he have an accent? I don't know. I, these are the kind of things you you present yourself with a little bit of an air of mystery. Did he pick up the ladies in the bar or I don't, you know what, the, you know, I mean, Hey, look, it's, it's, it was a phase. If this guy's listening to this podcast, we need you to send us a, a message. I know you are. We just guy have a from Armida's in Denver in 2012, maybe. Long time um, listener. I was I the drunk one screaming along with the chorus in the back. <laughs> You know, like that, that feels like a move that works when somebody else does it. You're like, I'm going to wow the ladies with the Disney song right here in the middle of this karaoke night. Like, I feel like there's more guys that have had that idea than have pulled that idea off. It's true. And then if it like starts to go poorly, people don't react the way you think. Like, you got to finish out the song, I guess, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, it's true. You're just there singing Disney hits. (laughs) You know, some drunk girl was like, oh my God, he's so sensitive. And I love that movie. I'm He's going to give me my voice back. <laughs> and I think that was Josh. This <laughs> is. It was not me. I still think I have a very that. specific uh, karaoke song. It is not The Little Mermaid. No Disney? No Disney. No Disney. Mm. No. You didn't try to add it after you saw that and was like, man, this guy's a genius? I mean, I thought about it. Don't get me wrong. I looked through the Disney catalog to see what was out there. But you know what? I... I didn't want to steal his thing. Like, you never know. What if I'm up? What if I choose under the sea and then he's next on the list and he's got to cross his name off? It's, it's awkward. <laughs> so have Let's... any of you seen, uh, real quick, Nikki, before we get back on track here, has <laughs> anyone seen a, 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 a really good karaoke flex, though? Has anybody been in a, in a bar and someone really just belted it out? No. Sometimes it's not how you think. No, yeah. no I've never seen, no. I, I've never seen, a, I've seen people that think they are about to get discovered, but I've never seen one where I'm like, oh my gosh, why, why is this person, you know, in this, uh, in this underground bar at, at 2 a.m. or whatever. Uh, so <laughs> I, yeah, and I have not seen, I'm, I'm looking forward to it though, you know, um, I'm, I'm still hopeful that it'll happen one day, but I, I have not seen anyone bring the house down. I used to, my friend, my friends and I used to do karaoke out like that was uh we were big fans to the point where like we would go to a karaoke bar and the DJ if it was a specific one would like know which songs we liked and would just put us on the list to do under them. the sea yeah. yeah no it wasn't under the sea I'm telling you let it go it was um which one is the look at this stuff isn't it neat what song is that that's a little part of this world. It's, lar- it's oh, like, part of this world. Part of this that world. see that would be a good one for a guy to sing that one. That'd be good. That'd be. Yeah. I'm just throwing it out there. If you're listening, single guys out there, I don't do karaoke anymore because I can't take the heat. Um, and you're married. Yeah, that's right. That's what I mean when I say I can't take the heat. Um, <laughs> I can still do karaoke as a married man. Well, like, I know, but that, you, you like- don't get. 
And you were like, well, you know, I, I can't, when I was single and karaoke, like, I mean, you're married now. You can still yeah. do karaoke. Yeah, You just course. had to retire yeah. a whole new world, you know. That's all. <laughs> I did not do Disney music during karaoke. I just want that to be clear. If you are listening, Renee. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is that how you got Renee? We did go, we did do karaoke on our first date. Fun fact. Aha. Uh, uh-huh. And you brought the house down with Little Mermaid. Let's move on. Let's move on and look back at this Bears game. So is this team worse than we thought, or are the Bears just a better team? I think we all know the answer to that. Uh, well, well, I don't, I don't know. I don't know Uh-oh. about that. I think they faced, as we've alluded to, they faced the best unit that they faced this year. The, the Bucs, you know, may get there, but they weren't, they weren't who the Bucs looked like this week, certainly. The Bears' defense – was more prepared for the Panthers' offense than the Panthers' offense was for the Bears' defense. And I think this is the first week we can say that. And I think it really comes down to Teddy, Mr. Brady, and DJ Moore. I think those are the three guys that that really um, we got to look at this week. But it doesn't change how I feel about this team. Yeah, I I completely agree. I I think that just watching that offense try to get anything done against the Bears' defense was – it was almost impossible. Um, and so I, I'm not worried ab- about this team. I don't have a, a big um, change of opinion coming out of that game about this team. Um, I, I thought the Bears defense looked great. I thought they gave Teddy no time at all to do anything. Now, it, you know, if that continues, I mean, but that is the job, right? You're an NFL offense. You're going to go up against some great defenses. So, you know, not to, to make an excuse or anything like that. I just thought that they were a team that is incredibly physical. I think they're incredibly talented uh, on the defensive side. And, uh, and Colin, as you said, incredibly well-prepared. And they had the, the Panthers offense. They had their number the entire game yeah, from literally made- the first play. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. They, they, made a, they made a concerted effort to take Robbie Anderson out of the game. And I think they did it for the most part, aside from – um, he had that spectacular catch where Teddy put it in the, like in that ho- in that cover two hole. Um, and, uh, aside from that, like he didn't really hurt them. And, um, they said to themselves, we're going to let DJ Moore beat us if DJ Moore is going to beat us. And he didn't. And so I-, I think that they, they had a good, just like you said, they had a good game plan coming in, especially defensively. Um, and the thing, the phrase that you use, Kristen, that, that I will echo is that it didn't change my opinion. This is the same team that I thought they were. Um, the only thing that I will say is that uh, the defense performed better than I thought. That keeps I keep saying it week after week that the defense keeps performing better than I than I thought they would have. But I thought that this team was a young team that was going to be inconsistent and have games where they don't show up on one side of the ball, whether for, whether it be it a question of being outplayed by the defense or offense or simply beating themselves. And I think there was a little bit of both um, to this game against the Chicago bears. But I think that's what comes with being a young, inconsistent team is that sometimes these kind of thing happens, these kind of things happen. And sometimes you're going to lose to a team. There's no, there's no harm in losing to a five or there's, there's no shame in losing to a five and one bears team. That's probably going to make the playoffs, especially not when you are, in you are where the Carolina Panthers are three years from now. Maybe that's a different story, but right now I'm fine. Like I'm, I'm not freaking out about anything that happened 
Um, I'm not rushing to judgment about one game. That's not what 2020 is all about from the Panthers' perspective. Is this is such a they're on such a longer timeline than this that it's like these kind of things are going to happen. So uh, it didn't change my opinion by any means, aside from maybe a little bit positively about the defense. Yeah, I, I want to talk about the defense, but before we before we go down that that um, road, I I do think. What we saw to DJ Moore and, and, you know, this offense and really this these receivers and everything kind of clicking and playing well here lately and feeling good about themselves. To me, I thought DJ and Teddy had some plays in that one, whether it's a miscommunication or whatever on that last route where he's running wide open. It sure looked to me like t- he and Teddy read two different things and he went more to the sideline and Teddy went more towards the, um, uh, towards the end zone. Th- that, that plays – like if that plays there, this is a tie game. As poorly as they played this entire game, it's right there for them again. So I'm not, I'm not, the plays are there. This is a good Bears team. Nobody thinks this Bears team is special. And and we saw exactly out of Nick Foles who he is. He looks like trash. They took a timeout, take a delay game, all that stuff. And then he manages to squeeze one in on third and long one time in the game. And that's who Nick Foles has been. Um, so this this Bears this Bears offense wasn't some great test, um, but I think the the issues that that surfaced in this have to be. How is I mean twenty three points for for a, a Bears team that started on the seven yard line, you know, with a gift wrapped uh, play, no drives over sixty two yards that resulted in points. Everything was short for this Bears team, and that's why I think this offense needs to be the ones to to step up. It's like the opposite of what I heard about Nick Foles. <laughs> Wait, he's yeah he but the thing is he doesn't use it all the time he just uses it occasionally much to the frustration of you know his coach and general manager and the ladies <laughs> who played well on sunday i thought uh i mean i think an obvious answer is jeremy chin um i think he plays well pretty much uh every game of his uh young career. Um, but I really thought Rasul Douglas played really well, especially there at the end with those pass breakups. Um, I think that's just like a, a big, t- I thought, I thought he did a good job in, in coverage. And then I thought at the end, it was just a big time veteran moves. I thought where, you know, the Eagle, uh, uh God, the bears, think about the polls for a second, uh, the bears got the ball back at the end. And I, I thought, Oh, okay. Like this, the game is over. Um, and he came in and, and had just a couple of a really big stops on on that second to last series or that last series. Sorry, I don't have it right in front of me. Um, and it was both. Yeah, you're right. He had a pass breakup on both of the second to last and the last one. And the Panthers had a chance, Con, as you said, to to win the game because of that. And so I just thought those um, pass breakups when it really, really mattered were huge. And I was just I've been impressed by some of the stuff you know, he's done in those big moments throughout the season so far. And I thought it was another example of that where I was like, oh my gosh, wow. I know we've been lamenting the the loss of Luke Keekley and his Panther fans, but I think we may have found the heir apparent to Thomas Davis in, in Jeremy Chen in the sense of, I think Luke was, Luke led the unit, Luke led the team, Luke got guys in the right place. But I think Tom, but I, I know Thomas Davis led the men, led the players on that, Team, you know, when it was the mid or you know, off season, he'd be out there working out with guys. He was always out there with a bunch of younger guys with them. Jeremy Chin is that tone setter that Thomas Davis was previously, and, and whoever deserves credit in that building, the fact that they got him when they did, and that they they identified him and went and got him, to me says a lot about this organization and where they're headed. 
And Colin, you're right, because I think we talk a lot about what we see from him on the field. But, I mean, he's – when they're coming out of the tunnel, he's, like, one of the, the first guys out. I've seen him hyping other guys up pregame. I mean, this kid was in college at Southern Illinois last year. I just – I think it's it's pretty incredible, and I think for him to come out with with the skills on the field and then behind the scenes as well so quickly, I think it says a lot. I, I think the Panthers are incredibly um, – I don't want to use the word lucky because, as you said, they identified the talent and traded up for him and got him. Uh, so smart. But I, I think they found just a, a great player for this team for the long term. Yeah, I mean, it, it's – I think it's very rare to hear a rookie after five or six games in the post-game press conferences talking about how he felt like maybe some of the players didn't prepare as well as they could have. Like, you don't hear that very – like, that. that is something that you hear from, like, one of your veterans rather than – a rather than a rookie being like hey guys like we gotta we gotta do better than this going forward that that was I, I thought that was uh kind of beyond his years to say something like that and not to not to shortchange Jeremy Chin but I, I want to say something about Razul Douglas when this is another guy that the team went out and identified and picked up off you know I mean off the the scrap heap like this is a guy that was not going to um that was released by the Eagles and Marty Herney went out there and found him. And whether it was Evan Cooper or, uh, or Matt rule or Phil snow, who said, Hey, this is a guy that can get the job done. They basically sicked him on Allen Robinson. Um, who's one of the best who has been, you know, a top 10 wide receiver in the NFL this season. Uh, and, and essentially said, go out there and, st- and take this guy away. And he absolutely did. I mean, aside from, he had one catch that I think was for 23 yards but um, only twice this season he's been held under 70 yards. One was this week against the Panthers. One was week two when he was being shadowed by James Bradbury. So to get a guy like that to come in and be the, the, your number one corner is, in, is incredible to me and, and kind of insane. Like it kind of doesn't make any sense. Um, and, and I'll be curious to see whether he can, he can hold up this end of the bargain for the entire season because sometimes guys can come in uh, for a few games and, and until the tape gets out on them. But if he can do this for the full year, uh, it'll be, you know, they will have really found a, another diamond in the rough in that secondary. Another guy I look at is Brian Burns. We see him playing a high percentage of the snaps. This is something, you know, this is a guy that I openly questioned. This is a guy where I didn't see the individual, where I looked at his weight and was like, you know what? I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of these guys out there that just don't have a position. They just – I don't, where do they fit? And he's, he's find, finding his place on the field. He didn't, they obviously didn't have a sack this week, but you look at third down plays, even a third down and short, he gets in there quickly and makes Foles get rid of it and causes the incompletion. Um, I, I just, I, the young guys on this defense have me so excited. Yeah, I think you should be excited. That's, that to me is when I said that it didn't change my opinion and they have longer goals in mind. Those are the things. I mean, we've said it a million times on this podcast, but like, Brian Burns, Jeremy Chin, uh, Derek Brown, Troy Pride, the even Roswell Douglas, Dante Jackson, like these young guys, that those are more important to me than how than KK Short missing the rest of the season and them probably losing some games and having a worse run defense in 2020 because of it. Like, it's not great, but ultimately for the for this team and this franchise, I'm not sure that has as big of an impact. Yeah, I think there's a lot of, um, I don't want to say a, a lot, maybe that's the wrong word, but the guys you just mentioned, 
there's a lot to be excited about on the defensive side if you're looking long term. As you said, there's there's a lot of talent there. Um, those guys, I, I think, have a potential to be really, really special, really, really great players. And I think this staff, from what I've seen, um, Josh, you mentioned it, finding those diamonds in the rough or getting the most out of players that uh, maybe other staffs didn't see the potential in. And I think you've named some guys on, on the defensive side, like what Rasul has done just to my eye so far. You're like, wow, that's that's awesome that you can come in and do that. I mean, his, his first game, he had been in the building for like three days and then went out there and, and played without a full knowledge of, of the playbook. Um, so I, I think it's great. And then I think, you know, on, on the offensive side, you've got a guy like Robbie Anderson, who I know has been one of the biggest stories of the season, but I, I think it bears repeating where he was classified as just this deep threat. Or, you know, when Matt Rule got to Temple, he wasn't even playing receiver. And so I just think it's – they really pride themselves on being able to maximize the potential, maximize the uh, skill set of some of these guys that – maybe have gone through their careers up to this point being seen as just this one thing or being seen as, you know, someone who um, isn't going to start. And I was talking to Zach Kerr after the loss the other day. And I said, yeah, I'm just really impressed by the way this defense steps up. And he said, now, this is not my words. These are his words. He said, you know, I think if you go down our roster, there's a lot of guys where you would go, who, who, who over and over again. And he said, we're okay with that. We know that that's, you know, what people say about us. And that actually makes us fight that much harder. So if you go down the roster and you say, okay, well, I don't know this person or this person, you know, um, was released by this team and now they're one of our starters or whatnot. That's actually the thing that, you know, kind of motivates all of them. And I, I think it's also good coaching. I really wonder if there's been a, I don't want to say a massive inefficiency, but an inefficiency within front offices for these kind of guys that maybe they've gotten a taste of life on the other side and they've come back. I, I you know, we're talking with, you know, two Tar Heels here. Sylvester Williams, I saw he got picked up off of a practice squad who was a, a North Carolina defensive tackle who was working, I think, worked welding, I think, before Butch Davis and the guys went and found him. And now he played in a Super Bowl, won a Super Bowl. Like these guys that have seen the other side, I think sometimes it's easier for them to buy in because this life is not guaranteed. And we've seen Panther guys like this. Mike Mitchell was a guy that was a highly thought of, you know, safety, uh, you know, with the, with the Raiders ends up kind of on the outs and then boom, and kind of revitalizes his career. I think that there's, this is a, there's absolutely guys that, that you can find shopping where they're, where they've shopped. And I think they've proven it this year. Shopping at the dollar store. Oh, yes, I mean, you can say that, but I mean, it's that's it's what real. that's not my words. Those yeah. are that's what Gettleman said, right? Is that what mm-hmm. he said? Mm-hmm. Yeah, not let's, that, not that you know, whatever, I'll leave it alone. <laughs> <laughs> let's do a monthly check in on this. Will the Panthers draft a quarterback in the first round, or is Teddy the quarterback of the future? Well, as the uh, as the resident. Teddy Defender, I'll say, I, I, Teddy has not slammed this door shut. You know, I, I really hoped that he would. You can't have, be a quarterback that's supposed to come in and be a game manager. And, you know, the, he said that thing about the game manager versus the gunslinger thing. And I really wonder if that's one of his coaches that stuck that in his head. Because watching him this this week against the Bears, I felt like there were some shots that were there that he didn't take. And I just wonder if he still finds himself caught between, you know, I don't think those are the two. Those are those are the two categories. But it seems like those are the two in Teddy's mind. Um, I wish he would have done more to 
uh, to sign. I don't think we're drafting a, a quarterback in the first round, but Teddy certainly has not cemented this. This is his, his own team. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. I, I think that this season, particularly this draft class, and I don't pretend to be a draft guy by any means, certainly not in October, um, but and I, and I also don't think that the Panthers will have a pick high enough to be in that quarterback conversation. I mean, you look at the 2019 or 2020 draft. Which one just happened? 2020? What year are we in? 2020 draft. Uh, that, was, that was like six months ago, or a.k.a. a lifetime ago. Uh, and they were drafting seventh, and they weren't, they weren't in the quarterback conversation. So I, I think that – for them to, if they do want a quarterback in the first round and be part of that, they're going to have to have either a worse record or trade up for it. Um, and I don't think that that is going to be in the cards during this draft. But you never know. But with you're right. Owner, I don't think Teddy has been like, possible. we're good for the next five years. Yeah. Like, I think right now it's very much up in there. And, and I really, I, you know, I'm listening to the team, and we have to hear so much more this year because we don't, we don't get a chance to observe nearly as much. And, you know, I hear about Teddy working with the scout team, and that's great and wonderful, but it's like I would much rather you be working with DJ Moore based on what we saw against Chicago. And I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to hot take this or anything like that, but it's like – It's not me, a hot what, take. To me, what I saw against the Bears was guys running routes and then stopping or guys not understanding what the defense they're going against and running themselves right into coverage. And Teddy didn't have a lot of places to go with it. And I think that if this offense, beyond the return of CMC, the best thing that can happen with this roster as it's constructed right now, because we don't have a tight end we can add to this mix, is DJ Moore and Teddy Bridgewater get on the same page. Yeah, no comment on the draft stuff. I have no idea. (laughs) 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 I was like, I'll let them take this one. Um, But Josh, I do think what you said is true, which is by and large, those quarterbacks – especially with this crop that's coming out, you know, are going to go so high. And we saw the Bears a couple of years ago uh, trade up. I mean, gave away quite a bit to go from number three to number two to get Mitchell Trubisky. So, I mean, And they no... won on Sunday, so <laughs> the process works. With Nick Foles. Um, yeah, I have, I have no idea, but I just think you have to, you have to give up so much of if you're not right up there in contention for those first two or three picks, which the Panthers won't be, um, I don't think. And you have to give up so much that I, I just don't, I don't know if I see it happening. Kristen, I, can I ask you something that is completely out of this top, not on this topic and is something that you talked about 10 minutes ago that I meant to ask you, but I forgot. Sure. Great. Uh, you did the get to know coach um, series before the, um, before the season started. Um, and I think that mm-hmm. with this, brand new coaching staff there are a lot of uh obviously a lot of new faces but was there one or were there a couple specifically that you think that the fan base should be paying more attention to um because I think that so much is so much attention is directed to Joe Brady and Phil Snow as opposed to guys like Evan Cooper or um uh man I can't even think like Oka like yeah yeah I think um I think Evan Cooper is a great example. Um, he's, he's just got a great personality. He is someone that I love watching on the sidelines um, in the game. He and, uh, and Chase Blackburn and, and Coach Cedric, like those are the three guys that are just, they are like big time motivators, high, high, high energy 
all the time. And I just enjoy watching it. And that's the the vibe that Evan Cooper gives me all the time. He's someone that seems like he really connects with his players, really gets the best out of them. Um, I mean, I'm not saying that, you know, uh, compared to any of the other coaches, but I just enjoy watching him at practice, watching him in the games. Um, and he's, he's young, he's loud. I just, I think he's got a great personality and I imagine he's someone that is uh, really fun to play for. Um, Correct me if I'm wrong. He was the coach that was high stepping down the sidelines after some turn. I don't remember I which turnover. Cedric that oh, did was that. It? Um, but yeah, I absolutely could have been Evan Cooper as well. Um, but yeah, that high step was so good. My dog does that when she's hungry. Um, she <laughs> follows me around and does the same high step. Um, I also, I think Frisman Jackson, the wide receivers coach, is a, another guy that, I mean, if you look at, maybe that's not a surprise, it's cornerbacks and wide receivers. You got to have big personalities to command both of those rooms. And you got to make sure that those guys are um, listening to you, that they believe in what you're telling them, because I think we know league-wide, those two positions are, um, they have, they have what, big egos. They have a lot to prove on both sides of the ball. And so I think, uh, you know, I was talking to Rule yesterday and he was saying that he really appreciates what Frizz, as they call him, has done with that room. And, and you think about, you know, you've got Robbie, you've got DJ, you've got Curtis, um, as well as, as some of the other young up and coming guys. And I, I think that those are two guys that, you know, I enjoy watching the way they interact with, with their position groups. And um, that's, again, not to say that any of the other coaches don't, but uh, I like to watch, you know, those guys at practice. Yeah, I think uh, a lot of times we can get caught up with like Phil Snow is like unlocking Razul Douglas, but in reality, it's probably Evan Cooper that's doing the unlocking, you know, like I'm sure Phil Snow has a lot to do with it too. But like, I think a lot of times you can get like the higher up guy, like Matt Rule, the way that Matt Rule is doing everything to get re- get everything out of Robbie Anderson, where it's like the the position coaches are working with these guys like every single day. 14 hours a day. Um, and, and that's where I think a lot of the, and the, you know, the, they end up being future coordinators, future coaches. So it's always interesting to get, um, to get uh, more info on them, I think. And especially like in this, this season, like at us as reporters, we can't get in there and talk to the position coaches as much. Like we don't get that training camp time of like, Hey, let me pick Jake Pete's brain for an hour. It's, it just doesn't, it's not, it's not, possible so that was why I asked absolutely and I will just say full disclosure I don't get to pick their brains on a, on a lot of stuff either uh, which is the restrictions of getting too close but mm-hmm. yet yeah, is it is hard to say to develop an opinion about someone and their style and their philosophies with only having a very limited um, exposure to them which is something I know we're all dealing with right oh now. yeah absolutely Let's look ahead to this Saints game. Going into this, what would you say your biggest concern is going into this game right now? Um, that uh, five more guys get test positive for COVID and then they don't play on Sunday. Is that, is that okay? Sorry. Um, I think my biggest concern for real, other than that uh, obvious one, is that, um, that they look – they look again kind of like the moment is too big for them because I, I don't, I'm not necessarily sure that that's what happened on Sunday, but I do think that had a little bit to do with it. I think the fact they had won three straight games, they were on national TV a little bit more that people were talking about how it was a big game and how, you know, Mike Davis is going on good morning football and whatever. 
And I, I think that you are, you do that. That's a skill too, is learning how to play in big games and learning how to block out all that noise and, and not pay attention. And so I will be curious to see how they rebound from a bad game. Um, because the last time they played a truly bad game, they came out and they uh, basically crushed Justin Herbert and the chargers. So um, I, I'll be curious to see how they do this week coming off a bad game against Chicago. Well, the defense played well enough to keep, you know, keep the offense in it this week. So I'll, I'll lean towards the offense again as my number one concern here. And, and it comes down to the red zone. I don't know what the red zone answers are going to be for this team. I think the tight end has to at least have some sort of presence. Um, we thought Ian Thomas was going to be it. But again, 2020 COVID rules. I still think a lot of this stuff. Two tight ends just, on the roster, Colin. I just think I understand. I'm, that's, but what's the answer? This is, I mean, we've seen Joe Brady scheme them well inside the red zone. I thought he did not do particularly well. They ran a lot of flood concepts, ended up in a lot of situations where the Bears had more defensive backs, more defenders in the space than the Panthers, and guys were not open. So uh, they're going to have to score touchdowns. This offense is going to have to figure out a way to score touchdowns, either from distance or in the red zone. Yeah, and the the other thing I would add to that is just kind of those mistakes that seem to be so costly. It's it's really interesting to me that I mean they they fight hard, they work hard, they are still in it. As we said, they've been in every game. Um, they overcome big issues. Like I think about that first half uh, against Tampa Bay when they were down twenty one nothing. They they came back to to be within a score of that game. They they were a play away. They were a four, four and two, fourth and two away from tying this game up last week. Um, but, you know, even if the penalty numbers don't jump off the page, they were in some pretty big situations. You know, you get a false start and it leads to a Bears field goal. I just, you know, I think it's those situations. And and uh, in addition to the red zone, I think those are the two things that, that um, have to get fixed. And again, I was asking rule about that. I was like, how do you focus in on, on pre-snap penalties? You know, it bothers you. Or like a guy like Okun, we could tell the defense was just, was just getting to these guys. And he's a, he's a veteran. He's played for a decade in the NFL. So it's, it's different than when Derek Brown, you know, is uh, getting some penalties that can be cleaned up. Like how, how do you tell a veteran, okay, like this has to be fixed. I don't, I really don't know. I don't know the answers to, all right, we're going to focus in on this and this is going to be fixed by next week um, other than just emphasizing it. I'm sure it's a combination of a bunch of different things, but um, you know, rule said, he said, it, it feels like a, a yo-yo sometimes where, cause I do think they're really good about saying, all right, these are the things that we want to improve by next week. And then you'll see those things happen, whether it was third down or, you know, when red zone was a big issue a couple of weeks ago um, against the chargers, really good red zone numbers. Um, you know, they improved on that the week after, but then you see some other things kind of slide. He said, it, it's kind of a yo-yo where we'll emphasize something and we'll, we'll fix it, but then we slide back in a couple of other areas. And so, you know, I don't know how you go about fixing those things to have the result. I don't know if it's just playing more together. I don't know if it's communication. I don't know if it's, um, keeping everyone focused during the game and not letting the, the little things get to you. I, I really don't know, but I think it's so interesting to me that they have been in every single game and the effort is there. The, the playing hard is there. Um, it's just like these little things that seem to kind of beat them. 
And I think, I, I don't know how you figure that stuff out. You know, if I, if I did, maybe I'd be getting paid a head coach's salary, but I, I just think that that's the, my biggest concern going into this week is that they're, you know, you don't want to see them right there again, but then just have a, a couple of little things that, that you can't clean up and that be the, the deciding factor in the game. See, I, I don't, I don't mean to disagree with you, but I kind of, I don't really mind it when that kind of, when that, for, for a team like this, that is so, that didn't have an off season, that has a brand new coaching staff, 60% of roster, when they're, like, what I wanted to see coming into this season was competitive in every game, maybe not every game, but competitive in most of the games, uh, you know, working hard, not, not having the, like, the little, not falling apart in the locker room from a, to kind of gloss it over, not, not seeing, like, people, yell, guys yelling at each other on the sidelines, things like that working together as a team and, and getting better week by week and being able to fix issues that they are having, um, even if other issues are going to crop up. Uh, so in, in my mind, it's like if they're, if they're still doing the same thing, Marley, I know you want me to mes- mention special teams. I get it. Um, it's Stop bringing kickoffs out. <laughs> that'll, that'll quiet Marley down. I know dogs are really into special teams. Um, but it's like – the that that to me is is okay i think in this type of a season is to is to be competitive but to ultimately lose like sometimes you're going to be competitive and ultimately win and then you're going to be how you're able to translate that into the future into doing that every week in the future is something again that matt rule gets paid to do and not us so uh, that that to me i think is is okay i'll be the red zone thing is not going away like that that is nope. troublesome to me is well they that, don't i don't think they have the personnel for it this year i'm not trying to interrupt you that's I just fair think, no no I think that's why it's going to be an issue all year that's why they, there's more of an onus on brady to try and solve it in the red zone because i don't think they've got i mean who 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 would you pick as your red zone threat on this team i mean if only there was a tall tight end that used to play basketball well but but realistically, what about when Christian McCaffrey comes back? That's fair. But also, like, it's hard to scheme the ball into Christian's hands yeah. from the seven. You know, it's a lot easier to get him into space from the from the forty five yard line or in the yeah. middle in the middle of sixty. So uh, I think that you're you're absolutely right. I think that this offense will obviously take a le- take a jump when Christian comes back. But I think that those problems are not going to go away. And um, it'll be a, t- a good test for Joe Brady, ultimately, to see how he adjusts to, like, okay, we're having this problem, and maybe we don't have the personnel for it, so how can we fix it? And if they don't fix it, that's what I would be worried about over the course of a season. Um, three or four weeks, like, they'll get there. I, I, you know, hopefully they will. Yeah. Everyone has used the phrase at some point in the last five minutes, when CMC comes back, when will CMC come back? Well, I don't think it's this week. Uh, and if you pay attention, if it's not this week, they play four days after that. So I bet it's not four days after that, but I bet it's 10 days after that. Did that, did I just say after that too many times? No, Millie's just upset to hear. She's got, she's got Christian on her fantasy team. Two more weeks. Josh, you're exactly right. The game, the Thursday game throws this thing out the window as far as I'm concerned, because if you don't bring them back and then play them four days later so therefore the only smart thing to do is wait till kansas city yeah i um i full disclosure have no inside knowledge of of anything 
when it comes to his return, but my, my guess would be the same as you guys where, um, it doesn't make a lot of sense to, to come back with that Thursday game and play because then you get all the rest on the back end. If you're still not feeling good. And I, I just think that he is someone who is so competitive. He, there's no doubt that he wants to be out there. I mean, he's, you know, on the surface, on the sidelines, like right in there. He's right beside um, all the running backs. So you can tell how much he wants to be back out there. But with someone like him who is so uh, dialed into every single thing that goes on in his body and who is, of course, getting the best uh, treatment, the best advice, I think you have to listen to, to the experts and make sure that you know um, that you're, you're not going to come, come back too soon and, and make the injury worse or re-aggravate it. So, um, yeah, I have, I have no inside information, but if I had to guess with that Thursday game in, in the mix, you know, Kansas yeah. city. Uh, I, I agree. I'm, I'm not reporting it. I'm just saying that you agree with it, yourself. No, I'm just saying it would be asinine to not bring him back after that Thursday game. Like it would be a bad. De- I, I'm, I'm not reporting it, but I'm telling you, if he's back on Sunday, it's a bad decision by Matt Rule. That I will report. Yeah, and look, you could bring him back for the Thursday game in theory, but it's like a quick run. Like this is the luxury of what this season is for this team. We're not mm-hmm. – you're not in a Super Bowl or bust year. This is about building for the future, and I think this team is building something this year, which is much better than this year being, uh, you know, a, a nuclear waste dump where you where you toxically boil all of your culture away. So I, I like where this team is at. At the same time, you don't need you don't need to risk it so – KC for me. Um, uh, also, while we're talking about injuries, uh, I think the Justin Burris injury, depending on how serious it is, is like sneaky important. Like I, I think that Sam Franklin looked pretty good, um, but for an undrafted free agent getting his first uh, playing time. But I can tell you that the that Drew Brees is looking real hard at forty two when he comes on the field. Well, um, hopefully, hopefully, you just play him ten yards away. If you play him 10 yards back, then Drew Brees can't get him. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I, I just – I think that Justin Burris was one of those guys that he was playing well, and I think a lot of people weren't really paying attention because, he, you know, he had that interception um, against – and what game was that, two weeks ago? Atlanta. Atlanta. Atlanta, thank you. Thank you, Kristen. Yes, uh, had that interception against Atlanta, and, and he – people started paying a little bit more attention, but I think that he was one of those guys that was kind of holding that second, doing a nice job on that in that secondary um, in terms of taking tight ends away and and running backs out of the backfield. So I'll I'll be, um, you know, it'll, it it will be a big loss if he is out for, you know, five weeks with a ruptured spleen or something like that. What about, um, why would you say that? (laughs) I don't, so I I do that all the time, Kristen. I tried. Ruptured Obviously not a not a big one day contract listener. I throw out terrible injuries for these guys to have and then hope that I'm wrong. So let's hope that 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 it's not. What about Dante Jackson though? Because we saw him sharing, you know, like is what's going on with this foot? Like it doesn't seem like it can get better if you're going to be out there fifty percent of the time. Is this just a management thing that we're going to see going forward? What do you like? Because I thought when we saw him go away that we were going to see him gone for a while, or you know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know enough about the anatomy of turf toe. You know, I I mean, I really don't. I honestly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think that the fact that he's always 
in position to start the game, you know, uh, like he, it always looks like he's going to play. I think he wants to play. Um, I, I know that they look at it throughout the week and he's always deemed good to go. Um, I just think that the turf show is something that's hard to get past. I think, especially when you're on your foot. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I really don't know enough about, the like I said, like the the anatomy of it. You guys might have a better sense of that than I do. Um, I wonder if it's a pain management issue, and some guys can handle it, and some not that Dante Jackson. I'm not saying that Josh Klein says by Dante Jackson can't cut it. Sure, my not story. Enough. My story for Panthers Wire. Um, <laughs> I think that uh, I, I like, and there are certain things because I think. I remember – I don't remember whether it was Greg Olson or somebody was telling, was saying, like, turf toe is one of those things where it's like – at a certain point, it's like this is as healthy as it's going to get unless you just don't walk for six weeks. So – But I, I will say I thought um, this past week was encouraging. It was definitely the most he'd played, at least to my mm-hmm. – again, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it was the most I've seen him out there – um, since he's been dealing with that, with that turf toe and, you know, he was in on some tackles. I, I thought he, he played well. And I thought he played as much as I've seen him play over the last few weeks. So again, don't know enough about turf toe to know if that's a positive sign that we'll see that continue to increase, or if, you know, it's something that he's going to have to deal with week by week. And this is just a, you know, kind of a one-off as he's dealing with this injury. I don't really mind if they rotate Troy Pride and Dante Jackson the rest of the season. If we're being honest, like I wouldn't mind that to sit. I wouldn't mind that at all. Dante Jackson uh, played fifty percent on the nose of the snaps against the Bears, and I would imagine if I look at Troy Pride's numbers that he also played fifty percent. So, uh, like, if if that's, I'm okay with that. Like, you're getting your you're getting your fourth round pick some some run. You're letting Dante Jackson come back slowly. Maybe you're putting them in in different situations where they're more necessary uh where they have where they can be more successful okay i'm not i'm not against that and that was the that was the philosophy i think was it game two Dante had hurt his ankle in in game one um and he was available to play but phil snow said going into the game against tampa he was like we plan to you you can say this person's the starter this person's the starter rasul had just gotten there um but he said but we're going to try to rotate the three of them as as much Mm -hmm. as we can so maybe that is the ideal scenario just going forward. It was, it really wasn't like a pro Dante or, you know, anti pride thing or anything like that. It was more about the fact that, you know, do you, do you sit him, I guess, you know, for four or six weeks? Cause I just like we're talking about with McCaffrey and then bring him, try and bring him back healthy rather than play through it. I was just curious because once we saw him go away after one play with turf toe, I mentally kind of crossed him off for a couple of weeks. Like, well, we'll see you in a month or what, you know, when, when we see you. Game time. Yeah. <laughs> this week is big McD's energy. Robbie Anderson tweeted this morning that he was going to get some McDonald's and it got us thinking which menu items represent the Carolina Panthers. That could have went any number of ways with McD's. But let's start with the Big Mac. This Joshua, is this oh. is your brainchild. Oh, what? Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> I'm not the only one that doesn't understand games. No, no. I mean, I understand the, the game. I just, it seemed like Colin had, so he was ready to go. He, he had an answer. <laughs> Sorry, um, Colin. No, you're totally fine. Uh, I, I think that the Big Mac is, uh, 
David Tepper is the Big Mac of the Carolina Panthers. I mean, it, it, it's kind of the obvious answer, if you ask me. But when when you think uh, – when you, when you look at what he brings to the table, and, I mean, obviously, when I go to McDonald's, Big Mac is pretty high on my list of, of things that I'm, that I'm going to order. So I think he just kind of, like – he exemplifies uh, who the Carolina Panthers are, especially from an outside perspective. So if you're, like, big into McDonald's, you may say, hey, the McNuggets are really, like, that's McDonald's, McFlurry, sausage, whatever. But if you don't really know a whole lot about McDonald's, you might say uh, – you might, you might just know the Big Mac. You're basic. Yeah. <laughs> oh, different game, different game. Yeah. Uh, you might know just about the Big Mac. And so if you don't like – if you don't know about sports, you don't know about the Panthers, you probably know who David Tepper is. So that's my choice. David Tepper is the Big Mac. I was going in a completely different direction. I actually think it's Derek Brown. I think it's it, – think oh, you, okay. don't, you go to McDonald's, but you don't order the Big Mac. Nobody wants the Big Mac. You're getting your quarter pounder. You're here. You're getting your, your tendies, you know, whatever, whichever way you're going. But most people, I don't think, actually go. It's not flashy, but it's always there. Uh, I thought, we, I thought we, see, we saw him making plays this week against the Bears even when they audible to try and, you know. So I think the Big Mac in the middle, you need him. The anchor in there is Derek Brown. I'm going to go with Christian McCaffrey. Um, I associated the Big Mac a little bit more the way Josh did, which is like, this is your, this is the thing that you hang your hat on, you know, you associate McDonald's with the Big Mac. Um, And that's what you, you know, you go for. That's the draw. And then you try the, you know, you try the other things and you see what's, what's going on. You might learn to like them, but you know, you associate McDonald's with the Big Mac. And also Mike Davis calls him C-Mac. So I just, I couldn't get the association out of my head. So. Yeah, that was kind of my other choice was was C Mac for Big Mac. Makes sense. Makes sense. It's what an about easy association? Yeah, yeah. What about the McFlurry? No, I want a McFlurry. Colin, I kind of I kind of blew it on this one because uh, I just talked about him, but it's definitely Dante Jackson. Some delectable <laughs> treats when it works, but more often than not, the machine is not working. <laughs> Why did I let you go first? Because that was my that was exactly what I was gonna say. Is I kind that, of like, assumed you would all say that. <laughs> you walk into the you walk into McDonald's, you're like, I need a McFlurry, and they're like, ice cream machines broke. They just point sometimes they just point to the sign. They don't even like they don't even uh they don't even tell you. They're just like they just point at the sign, the piece of paper printed out that says ice cream machine broken. Um yeah, uh I could also, you know, side uh or a second second place award might go to KK Short over the past couple of years. Good good when he's around. Certainly chunky, but uh, but but ultimately has been broken the past couple of years. Uh, well, I love McFlurries. I think they are just a real uh, real treat. I have you know no problem with the machines or anything like that. So it's all positive for me. So I'm going to go Robbie Anderson. Just I mean he's the his tweet is the reason we're doing this segment. Um, mm-hmm. I just think he is a delight. I think he is, you know, everything he tweets, um, his outfits, all of it is just so fun. And then not to mention just the season he's having. And it's, it's great to see him come into his own um, as a complete wide receiver to be given that chance really, first of all, and then um, to, to show up and, and do it. So I have uh, no shade toward McFlurry's or Robbie Anderson. Uh, so I'm going, I'm going there. Just to be clear, no shade towards McFlurry's. I love McFlurry's. Uh, although M&M's, they're too small. I like the Oreo the, a, is the, the Oreo is, yeah. the, is the prime choice there. Ob- obviously. What's your, <laughs> what, 
Uh, Robbie Anderson said he had, it had been a while since he'd been to McDonald's. Are you a McDonald's person? Like I, I've no, I have not been to McDonald's in forever, unfortunately. No, I'm, I'm definitely not a McDonald's person. I mean, yeah. I don't have like a, a huge problem with it, but it's not the place I'm pulling into. So when you said the thing about like the machine being broken, I was like, gosh, last time I had a McFlurry machine was fine. So I may be out on some of the, the McDonald's, um, what stereotypes of like mm -hmm. the machine always being broken. So if I am, I apologize. Um, it's not my, it's not the first place I would stop. But like, Colin, are you big? You've got kids. So you're, uh, that's... I just, just for research for the segment mostly is when, when I go, <laughs> obviously I, I you... can guarantee, I can guarantee that I represent the majority of the McDonald's consumption on this podcast. And I'm proud to say that it's fair. I usually go once a year and you can go ahead and laugh at me. Why? But I go when the McRib is back. <laughs> I gave up going to get a McFlurry because the machine never works. So now it's, it's basically once a year, maybe twice to go get the McRib. I just I don't do. know what you guys do on the road. That's what I, I'm, I'm baffled by this. You guys don't travel. You're not driving during the early morning hours or something like that. Like how does, how could people avoid McDonald's or fast food for a year? Well, because there are other fast food places to go to. Like if I'm going to eat fast food, I'm going to go to Bojangles. Okay. That's it. End of, end of sentence. It's just my, Bojangles, my... if you're listening, we're, we're still, we're looking for a partner. For a <laughs> I don't eat a lot of fast food and McDonald's is just not my like go-to when I do. When I do, let's do a few more of these. Uh, what about the McGriddles? I just want to hear your answer to that one. I don't think I've ever had a McGriddle. Uh, I have one, and it is a group, a position group. It is the offensive line because you wouldn't think that uh, you wouldn't think that guys like Chris Reed and John Miller uh, and, and Taylor Moten and Russell Okung would fit together. Even Matt Paradis, they would fit together and and perform the way that they had performed uh, Chicago Bears game, notwithstanding. Um, and that's the way that I look at the McGriddle, you wouldn't think that a sausage egg and cheese on a syrup infused pancake. Like when I first heard about it, I was like, this is going to be disgusting. It's not disgusting. Again, I'm just really quickly going to piggyback on Josh's answer. Cause I've, I've never had one. So I'm I, That sounded like a great answer to me. And uh, I think it makes perfect sense. Smart, smart. Colin resident McDonald. Yeah. What do you got? <laughs> Mr. McDonald. See, I was thinking this is this is this is a, this is a Jeremy Chin. This is the combo. You've got more. You've got more than one position in one. You've got oh. the. You've got everything in there all together in one and delectable bite of goodness um, that none of you seem to enjoy. So, uh, I was actually going Jeremy Chin. Mm, that's that's fun. Okay. And it's a better a hybrid than anything that anybody else has come up with for him. So McGriddle. There we go. All right, one more. The Happy Meal. Oh. Oh, you skipped French fries. I was ready with my French fries answer. <laughs> I'll, how about I'll let every, everybody's got to do Happy Meal, but I'll let you do Happy Meal and you can do French fries since you're ready. Oh, this is definitely Christian McCaffrey for me. There's a treat inside. It, 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 it makes the kids happy. I really, I really, this is, this is why I, you show up on Sundays is to watch a guy like Christian McCaffrey play football. He's certainly not the only one. Robbie Anderson has, you know, he's been the nice supplement toy, you know, for the, for the happy meal the last couple of weeks. We really enjoyed him, but CMC is the toy in the happy meal for me. Um, I'm going to go with Trey Boston. Uh, obviously when you think of happy on the team, nobody exemplifies the emotion of happy. 
as as does Trey Boston. And then sometimes you're going to get that toy. I mean, the guy is one of the um, one of the biggest ball hawks in the NFL over the past five seasons. So uh, in terms of safeties, so uh, yeah, I, I think it's got to be Trey Boston. And couldn't you just see him like ordering a hat, like eating a Happy Meal, like just going through McDonald's, like? Hey, I'm gonna go to McDonald's. Do you want something? He's like Happy Meal. It's like what? You're an adult, and he's like, no, no, cheeseburger that's Happy Meal. Are your kids? And he's like, yeah. no, it's like, that's what I want. I love the toy. I can see that. Uh, I went Jeremy Chin um, just because he's young and he makes me happy to watch. I enjoy watching him play. Um, I, I just think he's he's so fun to watch. It's so fun to see him continue to progress every single week and and see even where he came in at. Um, and uh, and yeah, he's. He's a young guy, so I, I went with the the meal for the the young kids. I love it, Colin. Love what do you got? French fries? Uh, this one, this one's easy because French fries are delicious. You love French fries. You would just, if you could, it, it, even if you were surrounded by people you loved, if you really could, you would pull right up into that drive-through McDonald's, and be like, I just want two large fries, and just, just, <laughs> just live guilt-free, shame-free, just enjoy, indulge in the fries. But ultimately, they're doing nothing for you. They're not helping you out. They're just empty calories. Cam Newton is now French fries. For the Carolina Panther fans. I was going to say Cam Newton because everybody's so salty about him. <laughs> <laughs> Same way to get there. Same way to get there. All that excess salt. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. You don't need it. You don't need it. <laughs> By the way, 2020 platform ideas, drive-through requirements for, like, for food. Like, I think if you go to McDonald's, three fries need to be in the bag. Like, I'm talking bag requirements. Chick-fil-A, you got the bigger fry. I need one fry in there. Burger King, I need one onion ring in my fry order. Okay? Like, these are little tweaks that all of these places can make to make their experience better. Make America better in 2020. Yeah, who needs a toy, like a Happy Meal toy, when you just get get a nice little onion ring in there with your fries? It is a best kind of treat, best kind of surprise. Just the one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I like that. Burger King long chicken sandwich. One of the goats. Sorry, that it's off topic. But is that still a thing? <laughs> I haven't been to Burger King in probably five years. I'm the same. I literally have not been. To, I don't think I've been to a uh, fast food place other than Bojangles in in years. But this um, makes me sound so bad. <laughs> <laughs> I recently rediscovered Burger King and uh, I enjoyed the experience. I was pleasantly surprised. I'd sworn them off for a while, um, but uh, but they, they they wooed me back. So you know, I'm so that you and the Burger King reconnected, Colin. Yeah. Uh, spicy Nuggets mm. is, is, is a siren song to my ear. So they, they got me in that way. Um, and, and to be honest with you, I'd been disappointed in my other options, and it was just just looking to see somebody else, I think. I just recently had the Popeye's chicken sandwich for the first time ever because somebody, uh, somebody in my group chat was extolling its virtues. It's pretty good. Chicken sandwiches are good, but it's like, I don't know. It didn't, it didn't blow my mind. Yeah, I still haven't had it yet. It's good. I mean, chicken sandwiches are good. I'd rather go to Yafo Kitchen. Yeah. Plug. Also, Yafo, if you're listening, <laughs> sponsor. We don't need the money. I'll just take. I'll just take one. Build your own. Me personally, not for anybody else. Sorry, Colin and Nikki. Sorry, Kristen. We need one. Build your own bowl for each of us. Well, weekly. I, I will email Frank Chabelli after this and let him know. But Thank to leave you, you out of it, <laughs> since you just did that. Uh, Kristen, where can all the listeners, folks at home, find you on the internets and social medias? 
Yeah, it's usually just uh, my first and last name, although the last name does get tricky. So it's uh, at Kristen Balboni on, on pretty much every social platform. Um, it's B-A-L-B-O-N-I. I always have to, I just am now, you know, growing up with that last name, I just immediately start spelling it as soon as I say it. So it's just like, oh, last name Balboni, B-A-L-B-O-N-I. So that's how I always just, I just go straight for it. It's it's now a part of my name is the immediate spelling afterwards. But yeah, um, that, you know, anything on, on uh, panthers.com. Joshua, any uh, announcements that people need to know? Oh, I don't think so. Do I have some announcements? Sure. I can announce some stuff. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Josh Klein rules. Um, you should go to, no, I actually do have an announcement. See, uh, it's not, I'm not really announcing it. It's already out, but, um, the uh, Roaring Riot is going to have three sections uh, of their own at the Thursday Night Football game against the Atlanta Falcons for the first time ever. It's nice. going to be very exciting. The first time ever in the NFL that a supporter group will have its own specific section, and they will be specifically uh, – we will be specifically in section 201, 202, and 256 behind the goalpost, uh, and it is going to be very exciting. A lot of chants, a lot of drums – a lot of uh, a lot of sides, a lot of flags, a lot of towels. You can That's find more info. The Bears, the Bears fans Ooh, had boy. that section locked up last Sunday. So I'm glad that you guys are going to be reclaiming that for Thursday night football. I would describe. I'm just going to be honest with you, Panther fans. I would describe it as embarrassing at Bank of America Stadium on Sunday. How many Pun Bears intended? fans were there? Pun intended. Damn it. <laughs> yes. Uh I, it was. I mean, it was incredible. Like they're like the Let's Go Bears chants were just. They were they were loud, loud to quite loud. And especially once you're when you're when your starting safety is being helped onto the cart and the team is cha- and the fans are chanting Let's Go Bears in your own stadium, it's embarrassing. And so uh, you know, I, I am very excited to hear what the Roaring Riot can do um, for that Thursday night game. There are very few tickets still available, which may be gone by the time this episode comes out. So if you go there and it's sold out, then it sucks. <laughs> he meant to say sorry, not sucks. <laughs> Colin? People can find me on Twitter at Colin, C-L-T. Beautiful. And I am Nikki704 on Twitter. This has been One Day Contract, part of the Riot Network. Krista Balboni, your one day contract is up. Everyone else, we will see you next week. Under the sea, under the sea, under the sea, under the sea. It was definitely you. It was you. I don't know any of the words. How could it have possibly been me? Was it Tony Baloney?